Former President Li Denghui once made headlines when he visited the U.S. during his presidency, and now President Tsai Ing-wen may be set to follow in Li's footsteps. Reports suggest Tsai may give a speech at her alma mater, Cornell University, in May or June. The presidential office has not confirmed any such plans, but one lawmaker said that if such a trip is to happen, it would likely be in the first half of 2023 before the run-up to next year's presidential elections. Amid a large number of recent foreign delegations to Taiwan, reports say President Tsai Ing-wen is mulling her own official visit abroad as soon as March. In January 2017, Tsai visited four countries in Latin America, including Guatemala. Now, six years later, Tsai may accept an invitation to attend a Taiwan event in Guatemala next month. Tsai will co-host the event with Guatemalan President Alejandro Giamatte. The time is ripe for a visit by Tsai to the region, and reports suggest that officials are already planning Tsai's itinerary. Besides the Latin America visit, some reports suggest that representative to the U.S. Xiaobi Kim is working with high-level officials in Taipei to plan a visit to the U.S. by Tsai in May or June. Tsai could visit Cornell University, which is her alma mater, as well as that of former President Li Denghui. I have done so with people in my heart. In 1995, Lee visited Cornell to give a speech during his presidency in what was seen as a diplomatic breakthrough. Now Tsai may also visit Cornell as Taiwan's president and give a speech at the university. However, the presidential office has yet to confirm the reports. Before the pandemic, the president also routinely visited allies. It was a very normal occurrence. This was the practice in the past, and if there is a future visit, we will arrange the plans. However, at the moment, there aren't any detailed plans. After the Taiwan Travel Act was passed, restrictions on travel to Washington by high-level Taiwanese officials were legally eliminated. However, there have yet to be any significant visits of this nature. If President Tsai Ing-wen can enter the U.S. and visit Washington, I think that would be a very important milestone. In the second half of this year, Taiwan will be in the lead-up to elections. Therefore, I think a trip made by the president in the first half of this year, or at least before September, would be a more reasonable time frame. Former President Ma Ying-jeou also gave a speech at his alma mater, Harvard University, while he was president. But that speech was made during a layover on Ma's way to Latin America. A trip by Tsai to the U.S. at a time when U.S.-China relations are tense may be more complicated, but would also be a diplomatic milestone. A new type of 35-ton patrol vessel officially joined the Hualien Coast Guard on Monday. The new ship, which cost about 80 million NT, has many improvements from the previous model. Let's hear from the Coast Guard administration. The hull is made of an aluminum alloy composite that's different from the fiber-reinforced plastic of the previous model. That greatly increases its ability to withstand impact. The main engine is also more powerful, so it can reach speeds of 45 knots, far surpassing the 30 knots of the older version. This footage from the handover ceremony shows two ships spraying water at the new vessel between them. The new patrol ship also has water cannons to put out fires with a range of more than 60 meters. The jets can be operated remotely from the ship's cabin to carry out firefighting missions on vessels at sea and also to repel vessels that intrude into Taiwan's waters.
The price of eggs went up on Monday, reflecting increased costs for farmers and a lack of imported eggs due to avian flu. The Council of Agriculture says it will work to modernize facilities at egg farms and will work to keep prices low in the short term. Those checking the egg section of their local shop on Monday may have noticed that prices have gone up. When prices go up, we have to follow suit and adjust our prices too. Same if they go down. Profits are fixed for our supplier. Shops aren't the only ones impacted. Suppliers also have their hands tied. Their storage facilities are normally packed high with eggs, but now they're at 70 to 80 percent of their normal stocks. Their supply is insufficient to meet demand from commercial buyers. Resellers are understocked by tens of thousands of eggs right now. Some have half their normal stock. Others have 20 percent or 30 percent less than what they normally carry. If you have half your normal stock, that means producers aren't able to supply enough. The wholesale price of eggs was increased by 2 NT per 600 grams on Monday. That brings the price up to a record high of 52 NT per 600 grams. The Council of Agriculture says it respects the decision of egg farmers and suppliers to raise the price. We respect the market mechanism and understand that the farm prices must be raised from 40.5 NT to 42.5 NT per 600 grams. That means the per egg production cost has risen 0.2 NT. A 2 NT hike is not too bad. Everything is getting expensive now. 2 NT is a very small bit of compensation to farmers facing great costs. If farmers get hit with avian flu and then they have no eggs to sell, then there's no profit for them at all. The COA says prices are up globally and farmers have also been hit with avian flu, greatly impacting egg production. In the past, Taiwan could use imported eggs to stabilize prices, but now other countries are facing their own shortages. The COA says it will work to make lower-cost eggs available for consumers and predicts prices will stabilize once the weather warms up next month. It says it will also help farmers modernize chicken coops moving forward. Have you ever wondered what the National Mask Squad is doing now? When COVID-19 struck, factories across Taiwan popped up to produce fa face masks. But now the pandemic has receded, masks are no longer in hot demand. We took a trip to a major mask manufacturer in Taizong. They now make ice cubes on the production lines that once pressed out fabric. A production line hums with activity. Every few seconds, a new mask is complete. But in this post-COVID era, mask production is no longer at full tilt. In these circumstances, I think our mission is complete with masks. In the future, we will need masks less and less. So now we're only making one-tenth of the masks we were making before. As mask production shrinks, what are factories switching to? Here, the machines are pumping out ice cubes, which are bagged and then packaged. This factory in Taichung began life as a printer. When COVID exploded, it joined the National Mask Squad. Three years later, mask demand has fallen and they want to transition to a new business ASAP. That's why they've invested 10 million NT in a collab with a convenience store chain producing ice and logistical services. Actually, most of the other manufacturers have closed down. I know that almost all the others in this area have closed. We had about 300 employees at our peak. Now we just have 40 or 50. Some of our former employees who had come from the printing industry have gone back to that. Some of them have transferred to our ice factory, and some have come in to do logistics. 
What you have to manage is really precisely controlling the production of ice, plus disinfecting every stage of the process. We stop the machines and disinfect them once every three hours. While the pandemic is over, this mask factory has decided to stay open. Its scale is reduced, but it continues to employ a large number of workers and play an important part in the local economy. Many of us spend hours a day glued to our screens. If you feel like it's giving you bad posture or even aches and pains, you're not alone. Shoulder and neck pain is a common problem for people who spend long hours on electronic devices. Today, we hear from expert physiotherapist Jian Wenren on three simple tricks to stretch the body. With these easy movements, you can keep your body happy and prevent pain even sitting in the office. Staring at a phone or computer for hours is tough for the body. Your eyes get tired and a slightly careless posture can cause serious neck and shoulder pain. And this physiotherapist explains, tense shoulders or a hunched back can cause problems all over the body. If your posture is bad, it will affect your respiratory tract, your gastrointestinal tract, your circulation and your immune system. So we encourage people to get up and move frequently. You don't need to spend money on a massage. Here are three free tips to help relax your back even while sitting down. Ah, yeah. Number one, raise your hands above your head, stretching your back and gently looking up towards the ceiling. Open your mouth wide at the same time to relax your face. It's a stretch for the whole spine from shoulders to pelvis. Number two, like swimming front crawl, stretch one arm up and forwards and the other down and back, and then swap sides. This opens up the shoulder blades. Number three, the smile over the shoulder. Stay in your seat and gradually, starting from the head, turn to look behind yourself. From the neck down, slowly let all of your vertebrae follow right to the bottom of the spine. And to avoid neck pain, take a look at this demo of correct posture for working on the computer at the desk. If you're at the office, you can improve your posture and add a few simple movements to make your tissues more flexible and stretch your muscles. By taking a moment to move in the middle of a working day, you can easily help to keep your muscles stronger and your joints more mobile and reduce pain. The Mainland Affairs Council on Tuesday formally announced the lifting of entry restrictions on holders of Hong Kong and Macau passports starting February 20th. That means that from that date, tourists from the two territories will be allowed to enter Taiwan just as before the pandemic. The council stressed that restrictions would remain in place for China amid a lack of transparency on COVID data there. We are sorry that many of our friends in Hong Kong won't be able to come to Taiwan for Valentine's Day, which is today. Still, we have a special announcement to make. In his new position in the Mainland Affairs Council, Vice Minister Liang Wenjie announced the end of an almost three-year-long travel ban for Hong Kong and Macau citizens on February 20th. From that date, they'll be able to enter Taiwan as before the pandemic. We are resuming online visa services at 9 a.m. on February 20th. The main factor for the decision was seeing how each place coped with COVID. Hong Kong has been relatively transparent and open about measures and figures. Meanwhile, many unknowns remain about the mainland. The lifting of the ban does not include Chinese tourists. Liang says a reason for that, besides the lack of transparency on COVID data, is that China still does not allow Chinese nationals to visit Taiwan. 
The mainland does not yet allow travel agencies to bring tourists to Taiwan. For solo travelers, the ban has been in place since August 1, 2019. We still do hope that tourism will blossom again this spring, but no matter what, the main issue is still COVID control. China's Taiwan Affairs Office on Monday said that, after discussions with the KMT, Beijing is willing to work with Taiwan to resume imports of agricultural and fisheries products from Taiwan. Liang had this to say on the matter. The mainland shouldn't use the economy and trade as a tool for promoting unification with Taiwan. That is, don't put up barriers and then say that taking them down is progress. The Mainland Affairs Council said that if cross-strait exchanges should resume, it should be in a gradual and orderly way. The Straits Exchange Foundation on Tuesday held a ceremony to inaugurate its new chair, David Lee, who previously held the post in 2020. At the event, Lee tendered an olive branch to the foundation's counterpart in China, the Association for Relations Across the Taiwan Straits. Lee urged the Chinese authorities to think of the people, resume exchanges, and once again carry out cross-strait visits. Let's hear from Lee. With the pandemic waning, interactions between the peoples on both sides of the strait will become more frequent. I look forward to the Straits Exchange Foundation and the Association for Relations Across the Taiwan Straits to gradually open up for visits and foster exchanges. Letting the current situation stagnate over a long period comes at a great cost for people on both sides of the strait. I hope that the mainland authorities can think of the people. The Straits Exchange Foundation is basically the home of Taiwanese business people in the mainland, and helping Taiwanese business people respond to any future challenges, opening up business opportunities and resolving problems will be my utmost priority. I am very honored to once again be tasked with this mission by President Tsai Ing-wen. To be given the chance to do my part for cross-strait relations, I will do all I can. Lee has more than 40 years of experience working in diplomacy. As a former secretary general to the presidential office, he has on many occasions engaged with China and is very familiar with the Tsai administration's approach to cross-strait affairs. Li's deputy will be Chiu Chui-chen, who has been transferred over from the Mainland Affairs Council. New Taipei has a new scholarship scheme for talented young sports people from disadvantaged backgrounds. Teachers and sports coaches say their best students often drop out because of financial, family financial struggles. Last year, the scheme supported 18 teenagers to continue their passion for sports without needing to worry so much about money. New Taipei says it will extend the scheme to support students with a gift in many different areas. The New Taipei Education Department invited talented young athletes to the stage to share their stories of training, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I didn't get such great grades after that contest, but everyone saw how hard I worked and how that paid off. And with lots of encouragement, I qualified for the National Middle School Athletic Games. It's really tough in training, for sure. That's when the team is really important. The other students, my teacher and the coach, they create the mood and encourage us. But for some students with a gift for sports, financial pressures can be a big burden. The hard thing was how after training, Jun Liang still had to go and work. When a child is in that financial situation, they might give the sport up very fast. She loves wushu, but because of the family situation, she has to give up. No, with help from this policy, she can continue the sport. 
New Taipei is working with businesses to offer scholarships and living expenses to talented young athletes from disadvantaged backgrounds. They'll provide annual scholarships based on the student's school year. In 2022, 18 students from 15 schools got support to keep following their dreams. Step by step, we will support children with financial difficulties and talents of all kinds, not just sports, to build a new future for themselves through the Dream Fund. In this environment, they can overcome their difficulties. Some even say there is no difficulty anymore. But we all know that, compared to other children, they have to face even more challenges. The policy aims to help talented children from less privileged families reach their full potential and cultivate the next level of outstanding athletes for Taiwan. A Taiwanese competitive eater has won silver at a recent noodle eating competition in Japan. It's 20-year-old Xiao Hui, who managed to slurp down 208 bowls of buckwheat noodles in just five minutes. She's now back in Taiwan and already says she's craving for gold at next year's edition. <laughs> she's only just landed, but already fans are asking her for a photo. This young woman is a competitive eater known as Xiao Hui. She's back from Japan, where she took part in a noodle-eating competition. She ate 208 bowls of wanko soba in five minutes, coming in second in the women's division. It's the first time I competed in a speed-eating contest. Previously, I competed in events with longer durations. I chatted with the other contestants and found out that they had been training for a long time. They'd been eating buckwheat noodles daily for a month. I only really started training after I got there, so I had to give it my all. I hope I can get a good score next year. Xiao Hui says she has her eyes set on gold at next year's edition. The 20-year-old discovered her talent three years ago, after eating 80 dumplings in 12 minutes for a challenge at a local restaurant. That's when she decided to start her career as a competitive eater. Her achievements include eating 8 bentos in 24 minutes and wolfing down a gigantic hamburger weighing in at 7 kilograms. But with so many calories coming in, where do they all go? I keep my diet under control and exercise regularly. Although I eat big amounts of food, I'm quite measured. Xiaohui is passionate about food to the point of even wearing a hairpin with decorations in the shape of Odin ingredients. She says she will take part in more competitive eating contests in the future, in hopes of setting new records with her bottomless stomach. Penguins, they are the world's favorite Antarctic bird. And now you can get up close and personal with them at a museum in Pingdong. The National Museum of Marine Biology and Aquarium offers visitors a penguin encounter experience. It's a chance to get inside the bird's enclosure, feed them some fish, and learn about their daily life. The encounters are on offer from now until June, but spaces are extremely limited, so if you want to get a slot, you better get your waddle on. Tourists step inside the icy enclosure of the penguin. Hearts are melted by the bird's wobbly gait and curious stares. When you feed them, point the fish heads down and they'll eat them. If you're scared, you can grab the fish tail and approach a penguin and it will eat it. 
The penguins waddle forward at the sight of food, thrilling the visitors. The National Museum of Marine Technology and Aquarium offers a penguin care and feeding experience where visitors can get up close and personal with the special birds. It's a rare opportunity. Participants first disinfect their hands and wear several layers of protective clothing before touching the animals. Every year, from February to June, the museum offers a limited number of spaces for the experience. Each day, there's just 16 spaces across two slots. So far, more than 2,000 people have enjoyed the experience. I've only seen them behind the glass before. I couldn't quite be sure how big they were. Now I realize they're actually pretty big. If your hand is too low down when they bite, it is a bit painful, like being pricked with a pin. People can get a deeper understanding. Beyond just thinking that penguins are cute and likable, we can also learn how to protect them. If you're in love with the world's coolest flightless bird, no need to book a trip to the South Pole. This spring, you can pop down to Pingdong to get to know them better.